Uh, what an interesting and challenging set of scriptures from the lectionary this week. Uh, we have a well-known passage from Romans about being the body of Christ and using our various gifts. We have a passage from Matthew where Jesus talks about establishing his church on Peter the rock. And we have a great psalm we read a little bit of in the uh, uh, call to worship uh, that has some vivid imagery in it about where we would be without God on our side. But what have these to do with each other? I have to admit, I've struggled a bit with that, trying to make a connection between these. I think I have. Isn't the Holy Spirit awesome? Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, come. Come and be in our hearts this morning. Open our hearts to hear the words that you would speak to us. We ask this in your holy name. Amen. So our gospel lesson this morning begins with Jesus asking his disciples who people say the Son of Man is. The Son of Man is what the, the uh, translation I read called it. I think it said the human one today. Um, so I'll use Son of Man because that's kind of what I'm familiar with. That phrase, Son of Man, occurs often in the Old Testament, especially in Psalms, Ezekiel, and Daniel. In Psalms, usually it's just kind of a synonym for man. In Ezekiel, it is used 90 times and always in reference to the prophet himself, Ezekiel. It is used as a kind of title to identify Ezekiel as one set apart by God. It expresses the contrast between what Ezekiel is just himself and what God will make of him. So it identifies Ezekiel and his mission as being from God. Later, Daniel also uses that title. And so some people think that Jesus, in claiming this title himself, is placing himself in that same prophetic tradition. However, Daniel also used the term in an apocalyptic vision. Uh, in that vision, he was describing the fifth and final ruler who was uh, to come and be given an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. So, maybe Jesus, by identifying himself as this ruler with everlasting dominion, right? maybe he's doing that. So this phrase, son of man, appears not to have been very common, though, in Jesus' time. In the New Testament, it is found mainly in the Gospels, and there it is used only by Jesus as a title applied to himself. Nobody else calls him that. It's just Jesus calling himself son of man or human one. For Jesus, it was perhaps a way of kind of half declaring himself as Messiah. But as we see from the answer his, of the question he gave to the disciples, 
the people of the day didn't really make a connection between his using that title, son of man or human one, and declaring himself as Messiah. So it's maybe remarkable that at least one of the 12 disciples got the message as Peter declared Jesus to be the Messiah. Jesus seems to really get excited at that point. One of his disciples got it. The next part of this passage reminds me of a coach getting his players psyched up for the game. Peter's going to be your leader. The disciples, you're going to win this game. This is a magnificent transformation for Peter. Imagine starting out as a fisherman in Galilee, and now he's becoming the leader of God's church, started by Jesus. How exciting it must have been for the disciples. But then, immediately, Jesus brings them down. He makes them promise not to tell anyone that he is the Messiah. How disappointing that must have been. Imagine what's going through the disciples' head. We said the phrase son of man was not widely used. Right? But Messiah or Christ, that was definitely something that the people of that time understood. They were being oppressed by Romans and they were looking for deliverance from that oppression. And just when they thought it was time to overthrow the Romans with Jesus as their Savior and Peter as his general, Jesus says, wait a minute. Don't tell anyone I'm the Messiah. It'll just be our little secret for now. Well, how are we supposed to kick the Romans out of Israel if we don't tell people you're the Messiah? I think the disciples were maybe in need of a little transformation, whether they knew it or not. Perhaps they, like us, needed to read Romans. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. I think the disciples, in spite of being with Jesus so much, were still, at this point in time, conformed to the world. Now we know there's more transformation coming, especially for Peter. It's going to be painful. Jesus, or Peter rather, is going to be transformed further, but he's got to go through some pretty tough times before that. The humiliation that must have been his by denying the Lord three times. Transformation's not always easy. I think the disciples are needing some transformation, still conformed to the world. They still had a people vision of what Messiah was. 
not a God vision of what Messiah must be. How much like that are we? I know I'm guilty. We get caught up in people fights, not fighting the good fight of faith. Conservative versus liberal, pro-life versus pro-choice, neo-Nazi versus Antifa, Hoosier versus Boilermaker. It goes on and on. When the only fight we need to be fighting is the one that brings people to God. Now is when we need that coach spurring us on. Are we the body of Christ? Yes. Do you have God-given gifts? Yes. What are you going to do with them? Make disciples for Jesus Christ. Why? To transform the world. Will we succeed? Yes, we will. Because our help is in the name of the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Amen. 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 And amen. Amen.